Odds Breakers family, what is going on? Uh, this is Michael Fordham. I know it's been a while since I've uh, done a long-form podcast like this. Uh, I've, been, I've kind of been doing live videos uh, throughout the Major League Baseball season uh, and have kind of started to build my YouTube channel uh, here uh, for college football th uh, throughout the summer and then obviously throughout the course of the season. But I'm back with the podcast. Uh, you know, Just before we get into it, uh, just a little precursor about today's show, we're going to get into the whole Scott Frost debacle uh, what we saw, which was essentially a grown man soiled himself uh, on national television today. We're going to get into that in a second. We're going to get into all the other week zero reactions. I'm also going to touch on Jim Harbaugh as well uh, and, and him making what I think is a poor, poor decision uh, at quarterback. But uh, just to kind of give you all an, an idea of what I'm planning on doing this year, uh, I, you know, I'm making individual video breakdowns uh, you know, for each college football game or almost all the college football games. On my YouTube channel, I'm doing written work as well over here at theoddsbreakers.com. Um, you know, we've got a good lineup of podcasts already throughout the week. Uh, I, I think what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to come on, uh, you know, I'm recording here on Saturday night, uh, but either Saturday night uh, or Sunday at some point, uh, depending on my travel schedule, I do go to a lot of college football games. So, um, I, but I'm going to come on at some point during the weekend and kind of do a live reaction show. Um, and you know, kind of give you all my raw, my raw thoughts. Uh, obviously I only had one play this week and that was on Illinois. So that one easily, uh, and there's a good way to start the year, but, uh, but just kind of it, not only from a sports betting perspective, but just kind of doing a, a quick reaction show. Uh, it's going to be a, a quicker episode today because, uh, you know, I, I, am just not going to spend five, 10 minutes talking about UTEP and North Texas. Uh, in my opinion, I, I'm really not going to focus on those teams a lot this year, uh, these shows will probably be more, you know, like an hour throughout the season. But uh, for today, we've got a shorter show. But like I said, I'm going to come on usually on uh, Sunday uh, here after these, you know, loaded college football weekends uh, and kind of give you all my thoughts, both from a betting perspective uh, and then, you know, just in general as well. So y'all obviously know this if you're listening to this podcast, but there is no better source uh, for sports betting information than theoddsbreakers.com. Uh, I've been doing write-ups there actually over a year now. It was around this time last year uh, that I joined on with Kiev and, and Farley and you know Patrick Gates and all those guys. It's been a great year. We got a great team over there at theoddsbreakers.com. Uh, we got free picks almost every day. Uh, a lot of those guys are running premium pack packages as well. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, and Kiev, one thing I don't know how much Kiev has talked about this, but he's got a live odd screen uh, that he's built into the website. That you know, as a sports better, it's really important to be getting good numbers. Uh, and to be getting the best number available, that is a great resource for y'all. Uh, and, and Kiev was really a uh, you know smart to to incorporate that into the website. So check us all out at theoddsbreakers.com. As for me, I'll leave all of my information in the description below uh, of my link tree. It's got my you know my Twitter, all my other social medias, my YouTube channel, um, as well as some of my 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 other things I'm offering. So check that out in the description. With that being said, it's good to be back. Let's go ahead and jump right into what we saw today uh, here in Week Zero. All right, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, I, I think we all know where we got to start here, week zero. I mean, got a lot to get to in this Nebraska-Northwestern game. I don't even really know where to start. Uh, I, I, I guess the, the way to go about it is just to go through the actual game, and then we'll get into some of the uh, the decisions throughout the game. You know, I, I think Nebraska came out hot. Um, you know, saw them that first offensive possession, you know, throwing the ball well. Casey Thompson looked really good in that first half. I mean, looked good in the first drive of the third quarter, too. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a great feel 
uh, as to you know how Nebraska was going to run tempo wise. You know, bringing in a new offensive coordinator and Mark Whipple. Uh, he obviously ran fast at Pitt, but it, it's a new system. It's a new team. I guess I didn't know how much Scott Frost uh, and maybe his preferences were going to factor into that. But you know, Nebraska came out and looked good offensively in the first half. I mean, the only drives they didn't score, uh, they got pinned back a few times. Uh, inside their 10 or maybe even five yard line. Uh, so field position kind of hurt them a little bit. Uh, and then they, they, they had that fumble uh, too uh, in the red zone where, you know, I know the people on TV were saying that, you know, looked like his knee was down. In my opinion, it looked like he almost fell on top uh, of the of the Northwestern defender. Uh, it, it was tough to tell. It's one of those where the, the call on the field is probably going to stand. Um, but listen, Nebraska, Nebraska. We uh, it was a reason that I could just not be on. I mean, I, I can't lay double digits with a team that was three and nine last year. Uh, that, ha, that I'll, I'll say it this way: that was as talented as they were and still went three and nine. That was as competitive as they were and still went three and nine. Because because this is the thing: if you're going to be a winning sports better, you, you have to put stock into these predictive analytics. That stuff matters, but you also have to be willing to acknowledge when you're dealing with a unicorn. I've you know thought this comparison for a long time, but Nebraska is the the opposite of a team like Providence this past year in college basketball. Providence was a team that you know consistently won by four and six and just played all these close games that just went their way. Uh, And you know a lot of people were just you know couldn't wait to fade them in March. And you know what they made the Sweet 16. On the other side of things, Nebraska continually finds ways to lose games. It's almost an innate skill at this point. So. I, there was no way that I was going to be able to lay double digits with them. Uh, with that being said, the, the way the, I mean, if you told me that they were going to come out and score, you know, 14 points in the first half and just look as good as they did, came out really hot in the second half too. Uh, I would have had a hard time seeing them lose this game. What really surprised me was Arkansas, uh, excuse me. I don't know why I'm thinking of Arkansas. Nebraska defensively was just, you know, Totally disappointing to me. I mean, the one thing I thought they were going to be able to do was stop the run. You got Garrett Nelson. I, I thought linebacker was going to be the strength of that team. Uh, I thought they came out hot early, but man, Nebraska missed a lot of tackles today, way more than I would have assumed. Uh, I, I thought, if anything, defensively, thought thought I I, I kind of had that side of the matchup right. Um, but I mean, they, they couldn't get any pressure on Ryan Halinski. Uh, I mean, they got Otwan Mathis from TCU, supposed to be this big time, you know, edge rusher, got $600,000 worth of NIL money. I mean, he didn't get called once. I mean, you're asking who that is. Exactly. If he's supposed to be this big impact player, where is he? I mean, they missed tackles in the secondary and, you know, busted coverages on that uh, on that first patching, passing touchdown by Helensky. Uh, there was a third and 11. I saw Jeff Nadeau. Uh, put a very funny video out uh, on third and 11. I mean, they're, they're leaving the middle of the field wide open. I mean, just a disaster uh, all in all. But I, I think what we all want to talk about, and I'm going to get to Northwestern and give them their props in a second, but I, I was, you know, banging the, the wall on this right as it happened. But that onside kick is one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. There's a time and a place to, you know, call an offside kick kind of off script, uh, very in maybe an untraditional spot. You know, it's like one famous one that sticks out to me is that Saints Colts Super Bowl. Um, I, I thought that was a brilliant time to, to call a play like that. You know, say obviously, but you're going up against Peyton Manning. You're not going up against Northwestern. And I, th- I thought what made it so weird, you came out and played so well in the second half. I mean, back-to-back scoring drives, you're up 11. You have literally all the momentum in the world. If there's one thing Northwestern, you know, 
uh, couldn't were excuse me. One thing that North that you thought Northwestern wouldn't be able to do coming into today, it's you know they can't fall behind because Ryan Halinski's not going to win the game through the air. So wh- why you would you know give them the ball on the your side of the fifty uh, is just nuts, and that seemed to really turn the tables. Uh, you know, teams that lose that you know know how to lose like Nebraska does. It takes one thing like that, and and you saw the flip, uh, or excuse me, you you saw the switch just totally flip there. Um, it, it, it we saw it play out in front of our eyes. I mean, from there, the the game never felt the same. Northwestern went and scored immediately, made it a one possession game, and from there, it was I, just you know hanging on for dear life, playing not to lose. Um, so so just a disaster. Uh, you know, I, I guess. We'll get to Scott Frost and maybe his future, which, you know, I'm surprised that we're even talking about that, to be honest. Uh, but give credit to Northwestern. And if this game taught me one thing as a sports better, it's this. You have to factor in head coaching acumen into your handicaps. I tweeted that out right after the game. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald versus Scott Frost is a total coaching mismatch. I mean, Fitzgerald's been there for you know 15 years, maybe a little bit more at this point. He's coached them to multiple Big Ten West titles. Scott Frost has never won more than four games and you know, he's probably not going to get to finish this year out. So so that that has to matter for something at the end of the day, we can look at matchups and, you know, uh, efficiency metrics and all that, but good coaches find ways to win and bad coaches find ways to lose. And that's what we saw today. I mean, give the, give Northwestern credit, Ryan Holinsky, you know, I, in my opinion, coming into the year was the worst quarterback in the big 10. I think his, his numbers last year weren't that, uh, he just wasn't a good player, but man, he came out and looked sharp today. Um, you know, didn't really, you know, make that big of a difference in the vertical passing game until they were able to, you know, strike on that big deep ball, uh, that made it 14 to 10. And from there, Halinski just got really comfortable. Um, I thought they, they ran the ball pretty well too, with, with a good two headed system. You obviously had Evan Hole coming back. Um, you know, can't remember the name of the other guy, but you know, did use both running backs pretty well. The one uh, thing that I felt like I had right coming into today Nebraska can't run the football. Um, uh, they had that one long 46-yard touchdown run where, you know, should have been a two, three-yard gain, breaks a few tackles, takes it to the house. That actually made it the 11-point lead before the whole onside kick debacle. But if you take that run away, that's why it's important to actually watch games because if, if you look at Nebraska's rushing statistics from today, take away the 46-yard run and see how it goes. I mean, they were around three yards a carry uh, aside from that. And, they, they, you know, they just could not establish the run. I feel like the one mistake Mark Whipple made in that second half was, you know, he came out early and just let Casey Thompson get in a rhythm. Uh, we, we saw that, you know, very apparently in the first half, he looked comfortable, looked confident, you know, he's, he was delivering balls on time and accurately, but man, it, it seemed like as they started to try to establish the run, I mean, it worked for the chunk touchdown, like I said, uh, that made it an 11 point lead, but when they needed to rely on Casey Thompson's arm, I mean, he, he seemed to have just completely fallen out of rhythm, uh, to be quite honest with you. So uh, th- th- this coaching staff is a mess. I per- I personally don't understand how Scott Frost makes it past tonight. Uh, I-, I think you got to leave him in an Irish pub. I mean, he w- we saw a grown man soil himself in Dublin, Ireland tonight. And, you know, let- let's just call it what it is. So um Nebraska fans deserve so much better, and I'm not the first one to bring this up, but obviously uh, they got rid of Bo Pelini for you know doing much more uh, than Scott Frost has. It's been a rough stretch as a Texas fan. You see the Bevo in the background. As a Texas fan, I can sympathize with you, but it's never been this bad. We, we've never gone 3-9, and nine, and we've never dealt 
with quite the incompetence that we've seen at Nebraska. Uh, and then just you know, the, the post-game quote, too. I mean, he's he talking about how his offensive staff needs to adjust to you know playing in the Big Ten. Dude, you called an onside kick up 11. You, you flipped the game on its head. I mean, you, your team totally crumbled because you're the leader and you are a bad leader. So uh, just a mess. I, I'm really surprised that we haven't heard Scott Frost being fired. Maybe they'll get back to the United States. But I'll say this too, and this is kind of more on the Nebraska administration. He shouldn't have ever been retained in the first place. I don't care if you're coaching at UTEP or Southern Miss or UMass. Well, maybe not UMass, but if you're coaching at most any program, if you go three and nine in your fourth year, you're done. No questions asked. So the, the fact that Scott Frost is even back, that's why it's hard to feel bad for the Nebraska administration. Uh, you obviously feel bad for Nebraska fans, but he should have never been back in the first place. If your coach is in a position where if he loses game one, then he's suddenly you know on his way out. He shouldn't have been retained in the first place. So um, just a mess. Uh, you know, Obviously, comment down below your thoughts on the situation. Uh, th th that was kind of my read of the game. You know, I actually lean once again towards that Northwestern team total under. Uh, obviously, Ryan Holinsky exceeded expectations, but I, I think more than anything, the Nebraska back seven. Well, it's really their whole defense because they couldn't get after the passer. Otron Mathis is this you know big you know ringer that they brought in that just had no impact on this game. It kind of got pushed around up front in the second half. Linebackers didn't play well. Uh, some blown coverages in the secondary and just missed tackles too. So. Just a disaster. We'll move on. Uh, just kind of going over some of the other week zero games. Um, I had a play on Illinois that cashed pretty easily. Uh, we got it at 10 and a half on Tuesday, and that's when I gave that out. It got inflated all the way up to 14, kind of how I thought it was going to. Uh, thankfully, though, it didn't matter. I mean, the, uh, they ended up winning 38 to 6. Um, you know, quite frankly, just it, so we've seen some bad coaching today. Uh, I mean, Craig, I think it's Craig Bowl from Wyoming. The fact um, that he ran out Andrew Peasley from start to finish, I mean, let's just look at Andrew Peasley's stats for Wyoming today. Um, five of 20 for 30 yards. Um, you know, did add 76 yards on the ground, but unless you're just like a senior established player that's proven so much over time, how do you let that guy play the whole game? I mean, I wasn't mad about it. It, it made it an easy win for us, but like uh, it, it seemed like Craig Bull had no intention of winning this football game. I mean, uh, he, he was punting in the third quarter on like a fourth and one around midfield, settling for field goals. Um, th that's the one thing I didn't mention too about that uh, Nebraska about Northwestern. Their offensive coordinator sucks. Uh, congrats on the win, but man, he, I mean, we we saw him run the ball on third and long uh, in the red zone multiple times, only to kick a field goal. The only time that you run the ball on third and eight, third and nine, third and ten is if you're going to go for it on fourth down. So uh, just kind of a side note there. But yeah, uh, as far as Illinois, I mean. I, coming into the, to this game, uh, I said I'm higher on Illinois than most. Um, I, I think we kind of saw that today. The, I mean, obviously, their run game totally dominated. Uh, Chase Brown, 19 for 151, two touchdowns. Uh, saw McCray um, and Hayden get a little bit of work, too. But, I mean, Chase Brown is a good football player. Uh, I know the Big Ten is always kind of known more as a run-first league, uh, maybe more so just by style than you know actually having the guys to do that. There's some really good running backs in the Big Ten this year. I think Chase Brown is right up there with guys like Blake Corum, Braylon Allen. You know, I'm, I'm not saying he's that level, but he, it, I mean, great start to the season today. Uh, looked re really good on the ground. You know, Tommy DeVito, I, I made this statement throughout the week. I, I said I thought Tommy DeVito was a, you know, substantial upgrade 
uh, from what Illinois had at quarterback last year with both Brandon Peters and then Art Sitkowski. You know, I, I think I might walk back from that a little bit. I mean, he was 27 of 37, but less than 200 yards, you know, just around five yards per attempt. He, he virtually showed no feel as a downfield thrower. All of his success really came in that really short, quick passing game. So, I mean, they play Indiana coming up soon. And uh, I know Indiana's not good. I mean, they went two and 10 last year, but they're going to be a lot better than Wyoming. So uh, I think Tommy DeVito's, you know, I personally, even going 27 for 37, I was kind of a little bit uh, wrong there. Uh, it didn't matter for this game, but, you know, it's something to note moving forward uh, that, you know, m- maybe Illinois' passing game won't improve all that much. Uh, he, he just didn't show much feel, uh, r- really anything 10 yards or deeper. Um, I, in fact, I, I think I heard on the broadcast that he didn't uh, complete a pass more than 15 yards. Well, he had one for 27. Uh, that must have come kind of later in the game. But uh, regardless, really good win for Illinois. Uh, I, I thought that line was super short. Uh, I think people don't realize just how much Wyoming got devastated in the transfer portal this offseason, lost quarterback option top running back, top wide receiver. Um, and I mean, they just weren't built defensively to, to handle a good running attack like that. So felt good about that play. That was actually my only play uh, here in week zero. I ended up laying off anything in that Northwestern game. Um, as far as the other games today, I mean, Austin P kept it close against Western Kentucky. Saw UNLV. I, I heard a lot of people tweeting about that game. Uh, I mean, let, let's settle down. You're playing Idaho state. I mean, it, you're favored by 22 and a half. You cover, but I mean, uh, th- th- that's the problem with a lot of these games. I mean, what do we learn about UNLV beating Idaho State? We learn nothing. That's not going to translate uh, to, I mean, I-, I know they're still in a group of five conference, but when they play Boise State and teams like that, it's just not going to translate. Um, we-, we saw two, you know, kind of bigger name schools in the ACC play as well. Uh, Florida State against Duquesne. I'll say this. I'm really high on Florida State. I played their win total over. Uh, the six and a half. So obviously a good start tonight. Uh, if, if they lost to Duquesne outright, I think we'd have a lot of problems on our hands, but um, they're obviously going to play LSU next week. I like the way they match up with LSU. I, I think this Florida state offense is really underrated. Jordan Travis last year, they were five and two with Jordan Travis as their starter and zero and five without him. Uh, he, he dealt with, you know, tons of health issues last year and just couldn't really, you know, couldn't really stay on the field. But I, I think an underrated aspect of this team is their passing game. I mean, Travis last year was over eight yards per attempt. So, I mean, and given his running ability, I think that's certainly enough to work with. But the one area that Mike Norvell really improved Florida State this year was that wide receiver room. And, you know, I mean, they obviously got Micah Pittman from Oregon, but they've got some young receivers on that team. Uh, we saw one today, uh, Johnny Wilson. I mean, he had a 51-yarder, uh, didn't go for a touchdown. But, I mean, they've got some length at wide receiver. Um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily sold on LSU secondary. I think underratedly, that could be a, a matchup that Florida State could exploit. Uh, just a quick comment. And, you know, we're obviously going to get to uh, tons of week one breakdowns here throughout this coming week. But uh, seeing that line um, at three for that LSU Florida State game, you know, call it a neutral site game, but it's in New Orleans. It's virtually going to be an away game for Florida State. Um, you know, I, I, I've contemplated taking the points with Florida State. It's obviously a short spread, so it might not really matter. Uh, you're, you're kind of picking a, a, a winner there. I mean, you, well, let's just say this. You're not taking an underdog. Uh, you know, you're not taking three points with the underdog, expecting them to you know lose by two. Uh, if you're taking that at that short of a spread, you think there's a pretty good chance they can win the game. 
I think the, the way I'm, I might play that at this point uh, is, to just, is to tease that up to nine because I, I do think Florida State is a team that's feisty. Uh, I have a hard time seeing them lose uh, against LSU by multiple possessions. We're going to talk about that game a lot more throughout the week, but I, I think Florida State offensively, and you know, I didn't even mention, I, I, I think their, their strength is running the football both with Travis at quarterback, but they got a deep running back room as well. I mean, uh, yeah, they lit up Duquesne, but I mean, they had success last year and that was a team that just got a lot better throughout the year. I, I know they were five and seven, uh, but you know, obviously had a bad start to the year. Uh, I thought they got a lot better throughout last year. I think that's going to be a game uh, that obviously we'll talk about this coming week, but uh, don't just assume that LSU based off name alone is going to handle Florida state. Uh, we saw North Carolina too. Yeah, it is. Okay. North Carolina pulled away a little bit. Uh, well, there's one, one minute, 30 seconds left, 62 to 24. Um, they obviously went with Drake may, um, it seems like they, they had a hard time, you know, picking a quarterback there. Uh, looks like he's getting all the reps. It didn't even look like Jacoby Criswell played. Uh, Criswell had one carry. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on this game. Uh, we, we didn't even think this game would get played because Florida AM had 17 guys. Uh, I believe it was uh, deemed ineligible yesterday uh, because they either for academic reasons or transfer portal uh, for some reason, uh, right as they're about to go to Chapel Hill, all these guys get rolled ineligible. Uh, you know, <laughs> what a joke. But anyway, it seems like North Carolina played well tonight. Uh, they got a big game this coming week at Appalachian State. There's a, there's a slight favorites on the road. Um, let's just say I'm leaning towards App State in that one. We'll talk about that one throughout the week, too. Other than that, I mean, I, I, do y'all really want to talk about North Texas and UTEP? Would we talk about that game in mid-October? No. Would we talk about Vanderbilt-Hawaii in mid-October? No. Uh, and so th that's kind of been my approach with Week Zero. You know, I, I felt like Illinois, I obviously stuck with Illinois as my only play. And a big reason for that was like, I mean, that, that's obviously a play I would make, you know, middle, later in the year. Uh, I thought that the line was short. I like that matchup for him, so I played it. But, I mean, I, I'm not going to claim to have a great feel on a team like UTEP and North Texas. But, I mean, personally, those aren't teams I'm going to handicap uh, throughout the season. I, I don't really do Conference USA. So, uh, I, I hope n nobody listening to this got crushed too hard yesterday. I know with Week Zero coming back, uh, it's exciting. We all love college football. But, you know, your later self will thank you for being, you know, safer than sorry. Uh, I saw a lot of people spray the board today uh, and kind of get crushed for it. So I hope that wasn't you. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here today, uh, had some news come out um, of Ann Arbor today that was just, quite frankly, just kind of mind numbing. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is a weird, quirky guy. I think we can all understand that. But his decision to go with this two quarterback system, uh, I, I know they play three cupcakes to start the year, but. Uh, quarterback is one of those positions. I'm kind of of the belief that, that if you, you know, have two quarterbacks, you have none. That's one of those positions where it, a lot of leadership is involved. It's not, it's not like you're just rotating in a D lineman or, you know, even wide receivers. I mean, that's the guy that, that that's the guy that's, that's the guy leading your offense. And that's the guy that the, the guy, the receivers, O lineman running backs are going to respond to. So, uh, I, I think it's really weird. I, I hate that decision. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and explain it. So Jim Harbaugh basically came out today and said, um, we're, we're going to start Cade McNamara week one, uh, and JJ is going to play two. And then we're going to start JJ McCarthy week two. And then by week three, we'll have a good idea. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Uh, in my opinion, this is as clear as day. Uh, I know Michigan fans. I, I don't really know where Michigan fans fall on this. So if you are a Michigan fan, let me know where you fall on it. But uh, to me, Cade McNamara is the guy. 
He led you to the playoff last year. And I, I think Michigan's going to have a pretty good chance offensively uh, to essentially, I, I know they lost Josh Gaddis uh, to Miami, their offensive coordinator, but uh, you know, stayed in house and just basically promoted guys uh, into that offensive coordinator role. I, I think they have the personnel to be able to just kind of repeat what they did last year. I mean, Cade McNamara did a great job. I mean, they won on the road in a tough game at Penn State. Uh, they obviously won the Big Ten, first of all. They beat Ohio State. Uh, I know they didn't go uh, into that playoff game and, you know, really make any waves at all. But uh, would, would, JJ, would J.J. McCarthy ha have, you know, led to any different result? The answer is no. Uh, I, I think the one thing about Cade Magna, listen, this is going to be a run-first offense, in my opinion. Uh, I sprinkled on Blake Corum at 100-1 to to win the Heisman Trophy. I think he's extremely talented. And now with Hassan Haskins moved on, I think Blake Corum is set for a breakout, breakout year. I mean, he ran for nearly 1,000 yards last year as the backup. So, uh, I, I, like I said, this is a team that can pound the ground game. The one thing that they can't afford, in my opinion, is just inconsistency. Uh, and I think there's a much better chance of that with J.J. McCarthy than McNamara. I mean, McNamara threw just four picks last year. Uh, he took care of the football. He's a good game manager. And sometimes that's all you need. What, what's going to hurt you is turnovers. And, you know, as good, uh, listen, J.J. McCarthy undoubtedly has a better arm than, than uh, McNamara. He's undoubtedly has the higher upside. That doesn't mean he's the better option. Uh, in my, I think it's crazy that to lead Michigan to a playoff in a year where they were expected to win around eight games and then have your job in question, um, you know, that's bad ball. Uh, and, you know, some people might not see it that way, but I see it clear as day. Uh, J.J. McCarthy is still just a second-year player, too. Um, so, I, I, in my opinion, he's got to wait his turn. And, and listen, if Cade McNamara goes and, you know, through the first month of the season, uh, well, in my world, if he were to, you know, start like I would start him and, you know, in that fourth, fifth game, he's unimpressive, then you move to McCarthy. But uh, it's just kind of strange to to think that you lead your team to the playoff and now, now you're going to be the backup. Um, I, I just don't see it that way. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I know that teams that recruit at a high level are often the ones in the playoff, but not every five star is going to come in uh, and, and just automatically be the better option. I think we saw all we needed to see from Cade McNamara last year to know that he's going to keep you in every game you play. I mean, they're going to go early. Well, not early, but I think week five, uh, they go on the road to Iowa City. I mean, that's going to be a big game. I'm high on Iowa this year, too. We know how well coached they are. It's, it's a tough place to go play. You, you'd be hard-pressed to tell me that you wouldn't rather have Cade McNamara in that spot than J.J. McCarthy. Um, and, and listen, you know, some people might say, well, you know, play them both. Um, and, and, you know, y'all might agree with what Jim Harbaugh has done. I, you know, it's just like I said, it's one of those positions where it, I, it, it, it's so dependent on leadership and, you know, continuity with, with the rest of the guys in that offense. It, it, two quarterback systems just don't work in my mind. Uh, you know, 2006, I think Florida had, was it Chris Leak and then, you know, a young Tim Tebow? Uh, you know, that, that that's not this situation. I mean, it's not like McCarthy is, you know, a 240-pound guy who, who's more of a runner in the red zone and then McNamara is kind of the passer. I mean, both of these guys are pretty similar. Uh, so it's not even like one can provide something the other can't. Like, like they'd be able to do that. Um, two quarterback systems just don't work in my mind. Uh, you know, call it a hot take, call it what you want. I've seen a lot of people today on Twitter just say, well, just give JJ the job because obviously you want to play him. Uh, I, I, I think if Michigan does that, that is, that, that gives them the greatest chance to kind of fall flat on their face this season. So I, I think Cade McNamara is an extremely consistent player. 
Uh, and quite frankly, I think it's ludicrous that, you know, he's not going to be the full-time starter, at least out of the gate. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I, I know Jim Harbaugh did a great job there last year. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I hate the move. I think he's a weird guy. Uh, and, you know, if, if there's a way to, to kind of ruin some of the good you know merit you've built, it's making the wrong decision here. And that's exactly what I think he's doing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. You know, it's not even going to really be consequential early in the season. I mean, because like I said, they play three cupcakes. You know, I, I don't really view Maryland, even though I'm high on Maryland, as, as a huge threat uh, in the big house. But uh, I, I just think that that's a decision that could have its effect later in the year. So we'll see. I'll, I'll kind of get off my soapbox here, but, uh, you know, did not like that move at all. All righty, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all again for listening. Uh, as I mentioned, these episodes will typically be longer uh, when we have more to talk about, but it was a pretty light slate today. Uh, and, and even for a lot of those games, we did have uh, no offense to North Texas and UTEP because I use them as the example, but uh, I, I just don't think that's the best use of all of our time. But obviously a lot to take away with Scott Frost. Uh, that What a debacle that is. Just uh, atrocious, uh, as I you know kind of explained throughout the episode. So uh, once again, check us all out at theoddsbreakers.com. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, we've got a loaded week one slate. Uh, if you want to check out my YouTube, I'm going to be doing individual video breakdowns uh, for most uh, of the week one matchups. So you can you know follow me on, on YouTube, just Michael Fordham. Uh, I'll be doing write-ups at theoddsbreakers.com as well for my best bets. Um, so football season is finally here. This was just the beginning. I mean, uh, if, if you thought a matchup between two, three, and nine teams last year uh, w w was the best it's going to get, you're wrong. This upcoming week of college football is going to be great. Can't wait to get after it. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in. We're going to have a full schedule uh, this week on the Oddsbreakers Podcast Network. But as for me, I'll be back next weekend. Sure, we're going to have a ton to talk about. Uh, appreciate y'all tuning in, and I'll catch y'all next weekend.